Well, good morning. Good morning. Everybody's well. Good to see a good crowd. Looking forward to tonight, like Brother Joe said. Hopefully everybody can come back for that. We do have one that won't be able to make it tonight, so I've already talked to a few people. We'll probably have another baptism in the spring, so if anyone else is interested, we'll uh, you know, get with me and we'll figure all that good stuff out. So, but really looking forward to tonight. Hopefully everybody comes back. What has it been? Have we had that on hope for like two years? Is it? It's been about two years, hasn't it? Yeah. So really looking forward to that. Uh, and like you know, we said already, if, if you want to give again tonight, we'll, we'll combine that with anything else and... Uh, you know, Brother Brandon called me yesterday, and, and we're going to put our funds together and, and help you know support Caitlin and Cody in that community. So I've got the address to the church there too. So we'll we'll put all that together, and you know, hopefully, I'm sure they'll need more than that. But anything, I'm sure will, will help. So it'd be good to you know, do that for them. Um, anyone with a special song this morning? Brother Tony's going to be preaching for us this morning. Really been looking forward to that. So, turn it over to him. That's still weird, by the way. All right. Good morning, everybody. So, first of all, I want to do a couple things. <coughs> one is new news to me. The other one's old news to most of you. But I'm going to have Archie and Hannah and Ryan come up here. Where's your... Thing, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one, like I said, I learned this morning. Pretty impressive. Archie, show them your show them the plaque here. So Archie was recognized 50 years as a union member as a bricklayer. Now think about that. 50 years of work. 50 years of work. <laughs> If, if Joe and Terry and Roger had been bricklayers, they wouldn't have made it 10. <laughs> so 50, 50 is pretty impressive. So make sure you stop by look at that. That's going in the Hall of Fame, by the way. The union, that's pretty impressive. Now the other thing is, not just because he's my son, but I'm really proud that God brought these two together. Ryan and Hannah, a couple weeks ago, got engaged. So sometime this summer, they'll be having a... a well, I'll let you guys tell it. I don't need to tell it. <laughs> Ryan, you get to tell it because you, you did all this. Tell them a little bit about the detail. Uh, well, I'm thinking probably late July or August the wedding. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, no. All right, more to come. All right, thanks, everybody. Missy probably already has everything. Missy's out of control. Yeah. <laughs> and just ask Lindsay, she'll tell you. Yeah. All right, no, it's good to be here. Good time of year. Good to see some folks we haven't seen for a while. And just thank God for... Christmas was to keep all those folks affected by the tornado in our prayer. You know, it's a, it was a sitting in Dallas Friday night and uh, on the way back and heard you know about the storms coming through. It's just it's devastating. So just thank God for for people that you know were able to make it through. You know, some cases you wonder how in the world were people able to walk out of some of those situations. And like Michelle said, it had to be the hand of God. So just mm-hmm. thankful for that. All right, if you got your Bibles, open them up to the uh, book of Philippians, the second chapter.
do we like extend this thing or something? It's like it's 3D. It's like hit me in the nose. Yeah. All right, let me go ahead. We'll start reading at the 12th verse, and I'll read down through the 15th. And then you can keep your Bible open just to follow that, because that's the main part of where we're going to be there. So Philippians 2, chapter 12, or I'm sorry, chapter 2, starting at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And the thought I want you to, part I want you to keep out in your, on your mind here is this work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So we have a tendency in the not just Baptist, but a lot of Christianity, a lot of churches, we have a tendency to make um, our walk with Christ and our thing all about the past. We focus on our past experience of when we got saved. Now, <clears throat> let, me make a couple, let me make a couple statements here before we go on to say you don't lose context of where I'm going because some of you may get a little offended by some things I'm going to say, and if you do, I apologize. But sometimes you need a little offense. Sometimes offending is not bad. So the, the point I want to say is when it comes to salvation, salvation is of Christ alone. You, can, you do not contribute one thing to your salvation except the sin that God saves you from. You bring nothing to the table. You do nothing for it at all. But, brothers and sisters, on the other side of the hand... Working out your salvation is the hardest, most deliberate, and toughest thing you will ever do. And it infiltrates and impacts every part of your life. I had, this, I had a discussion with a guy a few weeks ago, and this is kind of what kind of leads me to thinking. So, and we were talking about how sometimes when you ask people about how they're doing, when you're talking for spiritually and whatever, they'll go back and say, you know, I, yeah, I, remember, I was saved back in whatever year it was and, you know, this little church or that big church or wherever it was. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That's not what I asked you. I asked you, how's it going now? You see, brothers and sisters, if you have to go back 50 years ago or 10 years ago or 5 years ago to conjure up a memory and a feeling to make sure you still got it, I worry about that. The Spirit and power of God, if you are saved, should be alive and well in you every day of your life. And if it's not, something's wrong. Now again, you know, I, I, some of you probably love this song, and that's fine. But again, I would pick it a lot of songs. The, I can tell you the time, and I can show you the place. That's great. I hope you, I'm glad you've got a spiritual milestone or a memory of the place and the time that the Lord saved you. But is that all you're hanging your head on? What's God doing in your life right now? You see, it's just like if I asked Tyler, if I said, Tyler, how are you doing today? And he says, well, boy, Wednesday, I had a really good day. Wednesday was great. That's not what I asked you, Tyler. How are you doing today? You see, 
We've got a tendency when in our fallen Christ to hang our hat on something that happened in the past. And salvation is an event. The salvation is a continuous thing. What I'm trying to tell you, brothers and sisters, is if Christ has got a hold of you, He will not let go. And if you're not working out your salvation, you really need to ask yourself, did I really get it in the first place? Did God ever really get it in there? You see. And that's the question. It reminds me of our Henry Cox, one of our deacons down at Zion. He always used to tell me about a guy that he knew that would go out just about every weekend and get smashed. And then he would start singing Amazing Grace and crying. Crying his eyes out. You know, there's quite a lot of people thought about, well, isn't that something? That, that fellow there. He'd go out and live like the devil all week, but as soon as he'd start singing this, maybe he'd probably remember when he got saved. Hogwash! And some of us, we may not be going out and get smashed every week, but if we go out and live and do our own thing and live our own life every day of the week and come in on a Sunday and cry our eyes out, living this and down memory lane about when the Lord saved my soul, brothers and sisters, we're as much, we're as much of a hypocrite to the world as that guy getting smashed, singing Amazing Grace and crying is. It's the same thing. You can't go live, do whatever you want to do all week. Christ never comes into your mind. He never directs or never intervenes in your life. And then come to church and sing a few songs and conjure up a good feeling and think I'm okay for a while and then I'll come back and do it again. What I'm trying to tell you is exactly what Paul was telling the Philippians and all the other people. If Christ is not leading and guiding your life every day, brothers and sisters, something's wrong. You see. And if, he, if that happens continually, you see, then you need to go back and ask the question, did I really get it? John's lesson this morning, talking about the two of the kings in Israel, kind of went along with this a little bit. And, you know, I always go back to what my... I, I've got a lot of great Larry Hunter quotes. Most of them are not nearly... I cannot say them in church because you throw me out. But I will tell you one he always used to say. He said, everybody screws up. In other words, everybody makes mistakes. But he said, not everybody is a screw up. You see the difference there? If you're continually doing the same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, something's wrong. You can't call yourself a Christian if 99% of the time you're not living like a Christian. Well, but I got a time and a place way back yonder. I can show you the time and I can tell you the place. What's the rest of your life telling me? If Christ, and that's what I want you to be thinking about this morning, is Christ living and dwelling and leading and guiding your life. And if He's not, you need to ask yourself some questions. And you need to make things right. Obedience is an important term, and it's not just an Old Testament term. Here's well, another. I, I need to go on so we can get to lunch in a few minutes. I can go on this all day, brothers and sisters. People put so much attention into every. This is the other part of the conversation I had with a guy, which kind of led me down this whole path. We put so much attention into every detail of our life. Our education, man, we've got a plan, we've got a goal, we've got, we're diligent, we study, we work. Fitness, we work, we eat right, we, we drink the right things, we, we're nutritiously conscious. 
All different kinds of things. Plans for building a house. Plans for doing this. We're diligent. We're diligent and we work hard and we're disciplined in everything we do except following Christ. Now we're going to dig into this work out your own salvation in a minute. That's what I'm asking you. Working out your own salvation ought to be number one on the list of everything you've got because it infiltrates and guides everything else you do. You see. So again, obedience, brothers and sisters, is not just an Old Testament term. Now the reason I want you to understand that is verse 12 starts with a therefore. This is why I want you to keep your Bibles open. Verse 12 starts with a therefore. Whenever there's a therefore, it's referring back to what it said previously. And if you read the first part of chapter 2, it talks about the obedience of Christ. It talks about how obedient He was in His, in, in his walk, and His following. He was obedient to come to earth. He was obedient while He was on earth. His obedience led Him to the cross. And so if Christ is our example and He was obedient, why do we think it's absurd to think that obedience is not important for us? Because we are to follow Christ, you see. In fact, obedience is the link between the first part of, of the second chapter of Philippians and what we're talking about here in the, in the 12th verse. That therefore is, that, is the same thing, that we continue to obey, you see. For professing Christians to live in habitual, deliberate disobedience, is, it's either, number one, it's a sign of immaturity, or it's a sign that you never really got saved in the first place. And you probably shouldn't be calling yourself a Christian. <clears throat> Having an obedient Savior means we need to be really conscious of obedience in ourselves. You see, it's, it's, it's an important thing. And so what's... Again, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to sin. But continual, continual doing our own thing, walking our own path, brothers and sisters, did you really get saved? Paul's also talking there, Philippians, about, you know, in his, in his really pre, in presence and absence, being obedient, you know, not only when he's present, but even when he's absent. You know, I thought about the school teachers. You know, I think we got a few here, maybe more than I know. I know Lindsay and Hannah both. And I'm sure, Lindsay and Hannah, whenever you walk out of your classroom, they're just as well behaved in there as when you're not, right? If you did, you're an amazing teacher. Man, I know when I used to walk, when teachers went out of our classroom, all mayhem broke loose. People would be up with paper laws, things would go crazy. It was like it was like chaos. There might have been a very there's probably been only a handful of teachers in the history of man that's been able to have a classroom that would behave as well as when they weren't in there as when they were. Now we'll hit on this a little bit later, but brothers and sisters, Paul's saying, hey, I want you, I want you to continue to be obedient just like when I'm, when, when I'm not there, just like when I'm there. But I think Paul says in a lot of other places, you know what, even if I'm there or not there, God sees it all. You're always, there's never a time when you're not in the presence of God. So when you're going off and being disobedient, what are you doing just to be, you know, God's not really seeing this. God's not really looking at this. I can do what I want to do. You, just like my favorite stick song, you're fooling yourself. That's not, that's not true. Again, you cannot live in habitual sin and call yourself a Christian. It does not work. I'm not a runner if I only run one or two days a year. I'm not a fisherman if I only go every five years, you see. Yeah, it's, 
It's all that stuff. I'm not a scholar if I never take a class or never study anything. Now Paul's talking about this working out our salvation. And we'll get into the who does what. Remember what I said. You contribute nothing to your salvation. But, brothers and sisters, it is up to you to work it out. There's a part God works in. There's a part you work out. Doesn't mean you add to it. Doesn't mean you complete it. It's all in Him. So we want to talk about who does what. And the other thing is, this workout, it doesn't say it would be nice if you work out your salvation. It doesn't say it's a good thing and it's best for you if you work out your salvation. Paul says, work out your salvation. It's a command. That's another thing, brothers and sisters. When the Bible commands something, it means do it. It doesn't mean do it when we feel like it. Do it if it's, the, if it's a convenient for us to do it. It means do it. Just like when it says don't do something, it means that as well. Now notice it says, work out your own salvation. It's personal. I can't work out Joe's salvation. I can't work out Mike's salvation. A lot of us spend our time worrying about how other people are living their life. Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you what. Worrying about how Tony Everett is living his life and letting Christ have reign here takes all the time and energy I've got. Some of us are so nosy and worried about everybody else, we don't pay any attention to work out our own salvation. It's like, yeah, but look at what Bob's doing. <laughs> I don't have time to worry about Bob, but look at what Tony's doing. I need to work that out. So it's personal. It's working out your own salvation. That's one of the dangers as we get caught up looking at everybody else. So it's personal. It's also immensely practical, brothers and sisters. I am so sick of, you know people that think church is a spectator sport. Oh, it's so great just to get a come every once in a while, maybe every few Sundays and sit there and I'll hear a song I like and I can go down memory lane and maybe I'll get a good little feeling here or there. Brothers and sisters, you come to church to learn. You come to church to get fed so that you can go out and live and do the things that God tells you to do. You see, this is not a pep rally. This is not a play or a show. This is a place to come and get told what you need to go do in order to follow God. So it's immensely practical, you see. We're supposed to be manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. How many of us can really say the fruit of the Spirit should be shown in my life? I can feel, you know, the Holy Spirit's guiding me in different decisions and things in my life. You know, how many are we continuing, you know, together for worship? There's sustained effort in it, brothers and sisters. It is tough. It is tough. Again, I'll go back to, to Hunter again. I remember one time when I was, maybe it was when I was freshman or sophomore. I remember he told all of us, he says, you guys will never, never be in this good of physical shape again. And God, he was right because he was a slave driver. I was in really good physical shape. He says, but... He says, you should always try to stay healthy. I remember when I saw him about five years after that. He says, hey, you're looking pretty good. Like you still play. I remember the last time I saw him, which was about four years ago now, a couple years before he passed away. He said, you still look like you're active. Look how you're taking care of yourself. That's good. That's what it, that was from a physical standpoint. What about from a spiritual standpoint? Yeah, you know, the day you got saved was probably the happiest day of your life. It should have been. 
if you really felt those sins washed away. But what about now? What do you got to show for now? How are you living right now? You see. Do you see the correlation, folks? If you have, if I, if you, all you can tell me about, I can tell you about how great I was, and you know, again, I'm nothing special, but I, I do, I am able to go out and run a little bit every once in a while from a physical standpoint. I try to keep myself healthy, partly because of what Hunter taught me years, all those years ago. But brothers and sisters, I have to go do it from a spiritual standpoint. God saved me when I was ten years old. But brothers and sisters, if that was the only experience with God I ever had. What good would it be? I probably wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be fit to preach. Brothers and sisters, I can tell you what. I can tell you time after time after time. And even this morning, brothers and sisters, when I first was able to get up and go in and sit in the chair just for a couple minutes and open up my Bible and say, God, just give me a little bit of strength so I can preach your gospel another time. And brothers and sisters, he was alive and well in my heart then. He's alive and well in there right now. I don't have to go back to when I was 10 years old to convince me that God was real. I can go back to this morning. I can feel it right now. And you know what? It's not just in the church on Sunday morning. There's been a lot of times when I've needed Him when He's been with me in in work, when He's been with me in other places where I've needed Him and felt Him, and He's been right there. That's how I know it's real. You see. So again, you're not working for your salvation. That's so we can make sure I don't want any understand misunderstandings. You're not working for your salvation. You're not working up your salvation. Again, not to offend anybody. A lot of services anymore. Let's whip up a frenzy. Let's sing a few old songs. Let's get that feeling going. It's nothing more than a pep rally. And yet we all feel good. We shed a few tears. But what good does that do? Brothers and sisters, we can stand here and cry our eyes out and testify all the rest of today. But if we went out the next five days and did our own thing and didn't let God lead our lives, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Do you see what I'm saying? This is not just a pep rally. Now again, we need good testimonies. We need good singing. We need all of that. But brothers and sisters, we also need to be told, which is why I'm doing this, preaching this message, we also need to be told to take it out there and live it and put it into practice every day of your life. Because that's what the Bible says. So you're not just working up your salvation. You're not working in your salvation. It's not something that's out there and I've got to try to get it in. I've had so many people tell me over the years, well, I got saved at one point, but you know, I'm just waiting for the Holy Spirit to come in so then I'll be able to really go do stuff. You know, again, I'm not mincing words with those people anymore. I'm saying, you know what? If you're waiting for the Holy Spirit, you never got saved in the first place. Because I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I got the whole kit and caboodle. I got it all, so there's nothing I'm working in. God already put it in there. It's up to me to work it out. So again, we're not working for it. We're not working it up. We're not working it in. We're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What does it mean? Well, again, it's, it's practical. It means like in the Lord's Prayer when it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It means we're supposed to forgive people who sin against us. We can't say, well, I'm saved and I'm happy and I can tell you 30 years ago when I got saved, but I'll never forgive so-and-so for what they did. I'll never forgive so-and-so for what they said against me. doesn't work that way. 
It's practical. You do what it says. If you're called to witness, you really witness. It's, you know, again, Paul's not talking about good works that contribute to salvation. He's talking about the works that we do to work out our salvation, you see. That's exactly what he's talking to. It's, again, you can pick a ton of simple examples. You're going to have some of you, hopefully, you'll get a Christmas gift this Christmas. Some of those gifts are going to be something that you are going to open it up with a box and there's going to be pieces everywhere and there's going to be instructions with it. You see. That's probably one of the best analogies I can think of. You've got the gift. The gift is yours. Whoever gave it to you, they said, here, this is yours. I've given this to you. But if it's going to be of any use to you, you've got to follow those instructions. You've got to put it together and use it the way the instructions say to use it. Otherwise, it's just a box. If you've got the gift, what are you going to do with it? That's what Paul's saying. You've got the gift. If God's given you the gift of salvation, now it's up to you to work it out. Follow the instructions. I'm waiting on a bright light. I'm waiting for an omen. I'm waiting for Mars and Jupiter to align. I don't know what you're waiting for. Get your Bible and open up and start following God every day of your life. You see, that's what we're talking about here. It's, it's simple stuff. Again, this is, not, this is not hard. We make this harder than it ought to be. We receive salvation as a gift. And then we spend the rest of our lives figuring out what we're going to do with it and how it's going to impact us and how to, how to work it out. How's this supposed to work? Where does this go? Where does that part go? And what you'll find along the way is it's a joyful discovery. It's a painful discovery. And there's a lot of struggle with it. A whole lot of, a whole lot of struggle with it. What, many of you have been to weddings that I've done before. I always One of the things I generally say, probably not always, most of the time I always try to say is, this is a wedding. But your marriage just starts today. Now you've got the rest of your life to work it out together. And to make it make your marriage something special. Brothers and sisters, that's just like a husband and wife. All of a sudden they say, well, you know, we got, we're married now. Now we just go do whatever we want to do. You don't have much of a marriage, if that's the case. You've got to work at it. And depending on your wife, you better, sometimes you have to do it with fear and trembling as well so you work you work out your marriage together Ron I think you probably better have fear and trembling <laughs> salvation is not just something that happens over our heads it happens in our heart and it plays out in our lives quit telling me how good you feel how wonderful the spirit of God is how glad you are you got a home in heaven if you're not living it out in your life. You see, it doesn't mean anything. It's got to be real. It's got to be practical. It's got to be shown. There's thinking and willing and feeling and obeying. God's grace does not negate our individual responsibility in this. That's why Paul says, work out your own salvation. In fact, God's grace doesn't negate your responsibility. God's grace enables you to go work these things out. Because if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be able to work out your own salvation. His grace enables you to do it, you see. You, again, I've already hit this enough. You, just, you cannot go sin six days a week and come and take care of it on the seventh and everything's okay. It does not work that way. 
The two lives don't work. The two separate lives don't work. You can't call yourself this. You can't call yourself that. It's kind of like I've also been reading back in the book of Ezekiel a lot lately. I love that eighth chapter. When God says, come over here. And He showed them inside the temple court. And He began to see all kinds of abominations and things that were going on in the temple. He says, come a little bit closer. And He took me and said, made a little hole in the wall. He says, now look in there, son, and what do you see? And Ezekiel said, he saw all kinds of abominations and creeping things and people with their back turned to the temple worshiping all kinds of other things. Brothers and sisters, what if God, and it's not what if, God can. What if all of us could all of a sudden look into the hole in your heart and the hole in your mind and see the thoughts, the motives, and the intents there? I can't, but God can, you see. God can see those things. What and so that ought to make us that's why Paul talks about the presence and the absence, you see. So the bottom line is, brothers and sisters, quit making excuses for your sin. Here's another thing we're really guilty of. Oh, it's okay. We're all sinners saved by grace, and we're all just big messes. True. True. Does that give us an excuse to keep going out and sinning? No. I heard people say, well, I've just got a temper. I can't help myself. I fly off the handle. Are you a Christian? Yes. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. I think God's greater than your temper. I think God's greater than your alcoholism. God's greater than your lust to go after pornography. God's greater than your desire to have sex outside of marriage. God is greater, brothers and sisters. That's where we need to put the focus. God's grace and God's power is greater than whatever desire you have to sin. Brothers and sisters, if you could just look at it that way, when God saves your soul, He gives you the power to work out your salvation and you don't have to sin. The easy thing is to sin. You don't have to. Now again, I'm not telling you you're not going to slip up and sin. You will. But brothers and sisters, to continually do that, to continually live that way, it's incongruous with the Christian life. It, it does not work. We get the whole thing. We're, we're empowered by God, you see. Will living for Christ, will following Christ be demanding? Yes, it will. Will it take every bit of energy you've got? Yes, it will. It's just like, you know, I don't have time to go there in Timothy where Paul talks about the Bible. You know, we, I want to know more about the Bible. If we don't read and reflect on the Bible, we're not going to know the Bible. What are we thinking? Well, if I come to church enough, it will just get poured into my head. Maybe if I lay on my bed I'll, and put the Bible under my pillow, I'll soak it in. No, what the Bible, what Paul teaches us over when he's writing to Timothy is, he says, reflect, meditate on the Scriptures, and God will give you the light. God will give you the insight. Our part is to read, study, reflect. God's part is to give the insight. Do you see how that works? If I don't do my part, God's not going to do His. So again, it's, it's His empowering that's able to do it. A lot of times... I've heard people say, boy, I really struggle in my Christian life. Good. It is a struggle. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Did you, whoever thought, whoever thought it was going to be easy? Maybe that's part of the message we send to people is that we make them think it's going to be easy. 
And we t- yeah, it's probably harder on kids now than it was when I was growing up. But I'll tell you what. I was tempted. I had a, there was a lot of things. To, well, Tony, you had it easy. You were back there in the 70s and 80s. That was a lot easier for you than it is for us today. Boy, there were some temptations. The only reason that my life is not a ruined, upside-down mess is because of the power of God that came in through me. It was not because I'm anything special or not because I had any power. It's because somebody greater than me was working through me. You don't have to give in and do it your way. You see. In fact, that's when you will, that's when you will mess up. Again, we just got to quit, make, quit making all those excuses. You know, it, there are examples throughout the Bible. You know, think about the man who was an invalid on his bed. Jesus comes to him. What's he tell him? Take up your bed. Rise and walk. Can you imagine how silly that sounded to the people around there? Jesus is telling him to take up his bed, rise and walk. This man hasn't ever walked. Or he hasn't walked for tons of years. He's paralyzed. You see what happened there though? The command and the power of God enabled that man to get off of his bed, take it up, and walk. I could go on with a separate message on that all day. You're probably wishing I'd shut up already. But brothers and sisters, the point is, when what God commands you to do, He enables you to do. It's, it's, I think sometimes we feel like, well, God told me to do that, but I just don't have the ability to go do it. It's kind of like Moses. Well, I just don't speak very well. God says, who made man's mouth? God will enable you to do whatever He's told, whatever He's called you to do. And what it, well, the one thing He's certainly called you to do is to live a Christian life and follow Him. He will enable you to do that. But that's why every day, brothers and sisters, you have to take up your cross and follow Him. What does that mean? It means you die out to self and you say, I'm following you, Lord, today. When I'm tempted to take the easy way out, I'm not going to do it. When I'm tempted to lie, I'm not going to do it. It's just like when you say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to eat well today. And the first thing, there's a big chocolate-covered cream-filled donut there. Now, if it's me, I'd grab it. But you say, nope, I'm not going to do that today. You know, you go through lunch, through the lunch line, they've got some kind of little diet salad over here, and there's a nice big juicy burger. And you say, I'm taking the salad. And you go through that. Now, brothers and sisters, that takes your own willpower to do that. To do those things. But I'm going to tell you what, if God has saved your soul, He's going to enable you so that when you're going through your life and something comes up at work or school and you're tempted to lie, you don't have to lie. You can tell the truth even if it means it's going to hurt you some. When you're walking through and you're tempted, you've got some spare time. Oh, I'm going to take out my phone and I'm going to look up some pornography and some stuff that I shouldn't be looking at. You don't have to do that. God will enable you to say no. When all your friends are going to go, hey, let's go out and get smashed tonight. Come on and come with us. You don't have to do it. You can go with them. You don't have to get smashed. You're tempted later on. Somebody said, hey, come on. Let's go. Let's have sex. We're not married, but let's have sex anyway. You don't have to do it. God will give you the power to avoid those things. When I'm talking about diet and fitness, that's all on you. When I'm talking about these other things, God will give you the ability. And again, brothers and sisters, every once in a while, 
You may slip up and do one of those things you shouldn't, but that will drive you right back to a place of repentance. Again, there's a difference between screwing up and being a screw up, you see. A huge difference. That's, that's what God works in. He works that power in, brothers and sisters, so that we don't have, so that we don't have to give in to that. So again, it's about what's, what's going on with me right now. It's not about having that dim reflection of that day a long time ago. It's not, it's not about that at all. Something or somebody happened. It's not about living in the past. It's about what's here right now. That, why do you think, you know, that's another reason. Why do you think there's so many people who, you know, they come into church, they act like they're interested, they're really into it. Oh, they got saved. You never see them again. They're not working out their salvation. In fact, some of them never got it worked in. They never got the gift to actually work it out in the first place. You see people who aren't growing in the Christian life. Like Paul said, hey, you guys should be eating meat now, but you still need milk. They probably got saved, but they're just stuck. They don't want to learn anything more. They don't want any of the hard lessons like what I'm trying to tell you right now. I am so thankful that I had people tell me growing up and examples that set for me. You know, I was talking about my grandpa and the concrete stuff he did today when we saw the archery guys. They're so thankful that he was he told me and showed me this is not just about what you do in church. This is about how you live your life. And I'm thankful I was able to see him do that. In horrible situations sometimes, live that out in front of me and think, man, there's something to this. That's more than just to go to church and sing a song and shedding a tear. It's a way of life, you see. So what you do, brothers and sisters, when you're able to go and you're able to avoid those temptations, at the end of the day, you don't lay your head down on the, t- on the pillow with pride and say, boy, what a good boy or what a good girl I am. I was tempted and I was strong enough. I didn't avoid that. Yeah, I was able to avoid it all. You don't say, boy, I'm so special. You know what you do, brothers and sisters, when you're able to get through a day and you're able to not get into all that stuff? And I've done this a couple times in my life. You go and you lay your head down on the pillow and say, thank God that for the powerful God I serve who protected me and enabled me and empowered me to avoid that mess. You say, thank God for the one we serve, you see, who's able to who's enable to you. So quick wrapping up. The guys will be getting their watch up in a minute. They'd have to do that with you too much, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get work on that a little bit. Error number one with this part of Scripture. I want to make sure we don't get this. I kind of hit on this earlier, but I want to make sure we finish with it. Error number one when people hear a message like this about working out your salvation. Error number one says, I contribute to part of it. You do not. Like I said earlier, the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that God saves you from. You contribute nothing to it, you see. It's kind of like we think, well, God starts it off, then He leaves it up to me to keep it going and to finish it. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you what. You cannot start salvation. That call to be saved, that tongue that you heard me preach about, that comes from the Holy Spirit. You don't start it. There's no natural desire in you that wants to be saved. And you know what? You certainly cannot keep it going. 
It takes the Spirit of God. It does me so good sometimes. That's, you know, that's why it's older people who want to come to church, who continually keep coming, or people who can't come, and I hear them say how bad they want to come. God keeps that desire in there because they want to keep living and serving Christ as long as they have breath. So you, can, you don't have the power to keep it going. You can't contribute to that. And you certainly can't contribute, brothers and sisters, to finishing it. You can't finish it and take yourself home one of these days. You can't finish it and take yourself to heaven one of these days. You don't start it. You don't keep it going. You don't finish it. God does it. Error number two is the most common one, though, brothers and sisters. This is the most common one, and the one I tried to bring out earlier is, since I don't contribute, and Christ, it's all about Christ, I don't have to work very hard at it. That is the biggest bunch of maloney and biggest falsehood that's ever been preached or taught. That's one of the reasons, one of the, my favorite all-time preacher that I've ever read or listened to, A.W. Tozer, makes it so plain Christianity, walking and following Christ, is the hardest thing you will ever do. He says, why do you think the Lord Himself would use an analogy like take up your cross daily and follow Me? You know what? Again, sorry guys, you might be a couple minutes late. Take up your cross daily. That doesn't mean I'm going to put on my Christian cross necklace. I'm going to carry my Bible. I'm going to have them laying on my desk. I'm going to bow my head and say a little prayer so everybody that sees me eating will know I'm praying. That's not what that means. Do you know what it meant when somebody picked up a cross back in Christ's time? When they had to pick up their cross? It means they were going to die. It means they were heading out and the Romans were going to string them up and they were going to die. Brothers and sisters, that's what it means for us every day to follow Christ. It means there's a lot of stuff Tony Everidge wants to do. There's a lot of places Tony Everidge wants to go. There's a lot of things this flesh of Tony Everidge wants to do. But I've got to die out to self and follow what Christ wants me to do. Even if it hurts. Even if it's painful. You see, I've got to follow. So it is the hardest thing that you ever want to do. And if you're serious about it, brothers and sisters, you need to get to work on it. Just like you would your fitness. Just like you would your weightlifting. Just like you would your diet. You need to get to work at it. How do I learn to do it? Go, do I need to go to the bookstore and get the latest book? No, you've got the latest book. Pull up the Word of God. You've got the instructions. You've got the how-to. And more than that, the Holy Spirit will give you the power to go through and do it, you see. That's the, that's the best thing about it. If you don't do that, you're going to remain in an impoverished, baby-like state. Or you'll eventually fade away. And either way, to the outside world, it appears as though you never got the gift. And maybe you didn't. You might not have got the gift, you see. But it impacts every single day of your life. So brothers and sisters, you get a, guys, if you get a verse of the song, what I'm trying to tell you is, quit making excuses. You're either saved or you're not. And if you are saved, live like it. If you're not living like it, quit making excuses. Get on your knees. Start this morning and get on your knees and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to go and live and follow you. I've not been dying out to self. I've been doing what I want to do. I've been calling my own shots. Don't stand there as we sing this song and think back, oh, I love the time and the place back 30 years ago when God saved me or 10 years ago when God saved me. If that's all you got to hang your head on, what's going on in your heart right now? What's going on in there right now? And if God's not working, you need to make it, you need to get up and make it right. 
Walking with Christ, brothers and sisters, is not just a warm, fuzzy, sentimental feeling. But it's something, brothers and sisters, that's hard. It's hard to do. It's a struggle. It means you might not be the most popular person in, the, in your group. It means, some people, and I've had people tell me this too, well, Tony, it's too bad that you're, you're a Christian all those years. You missed out on so much fun. You missed out on so much things. You might think by not going and doing what everybody else is doing, you're missing out. Brothers and sisters, I did not miss out on one thing at all. I missed out on a lot of pain and misery. I didn't miss out on anything at all. God's more than taking care of me. That's where faith comes in. I don't go do what I want to do, but I trust God to take care of me. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. All that fear and trembling means is, if you ever want to think, what does that mean? Fear, what does it mean with the fear and trembling part? It means, you know, just like, hey, if I'm the kid sitting there in the class, and Hannah's in there, or Lindsay's in there, I'm going to pay attention because otherwise I'm going to get in trouble. When they walk out, it doesn't mean I go mayhem. It doesn't mean when I come to church, I'll smile, I'll carry my Bible, and everybody will think I'm great. But when I go out there, I'm going to live and do whatever I want to do. God sees it all. There's never a time when you're not in His presence. In fact, that's the best thing you can always ask God is, Lord, let me always feel Your presence. Lord, let me always know that even though I'm miles away from anybody who knows me, You still see me. You still know me. You still feel my presence. You're still there. Thank God for that, brothers and sisters. Work out your own salvation. We have one verse of a song. If you're here this morning and you're not feeling it right now, maybe you never had it. If you're here this morning and you're going your own way, come and pray and make it right with God. Don't leave here this morning. God's speaking to somebody. There's no doubt in my mind. But you cannot go and live your life any way you want to, brothers and sisters. You don't hang your hat on the time and place years ago. What's going on in your life right now? Make sure of your salvation. Today's the day of salvation. We'll always sing one verse of the song. Thank you.